Today I'm looking at Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. What can you do in 30 minutes? How much can you read? How much TV can you watch? How many projects can you start and finish? How many calls can you return? Suppose you had 30 minutes. Could you tell the story of the Bible in a half hour? Most of us would have a hard time doing that. After all, the Bible is a big book. The numbers are staggering. 66 books written by 40 authors in three languages over 1,500 years, over 1,100 chapters, 31,000 verses, and 800,000 words. Would it be possible to tell the story of the Bible in one message? That's our goal. Uh, Buckle up because we're going to start in Genesis and end in Revelation. Actually, I will do this in two parts. So we're going to tell the story of the Bible in six acts. Acts, Act number one, God creates everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, God made everything. On the seventh day, he rested. That's Genesis 1. Genesis 2 tells us about Adam and Eve. God created Adam out of the dust of the ground and placed him in the garden. Then he fashioned Eve from a rib, taken from Adam's side. He presented Eve to Adam, who was very pleased indeed. The two became one flesh. They were naked and they were not ashamed. And so that's act one. God creates everything. Act number two, man rebels against God. The serpent appeared to Eve and deceives her. She eats the fruit, gives it to Adam, and he eats it. Eve ate the fruit because she was deceived by the serpent. Adam was not deceived as Eve was. He knew it was wrong, but he ate the fruit anyway. Therefore, if God holds him accountable, the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, sin entered the world through one man. This was the decisive moment, the great turning point. Nothing will ever be the same again. Suddenly, they are ashamed. They try to cover their nakedness. Innocence is gone forever. When confronted by God, Adam makes excuses. Who told you to do or who told you that you were naked? The woman you gave me. First, he blames Eve. Then he blames God. Eve blames the serpent. Judgment comes quickly. They are cast out of the garden. God clothed them with garments of skin, a sign of his grace. Now they are on their own. The world becomes a very unfriendly place. Cain kills Abel. Civilization spreads. Large cities form. Death is everywhere. That's Genesis 4 and 5. Things go from bad to worse. In Genesis 6, God intervenes. The earth has grown corrupt and full of evil. God calls Noah, who builds an ark 
When the flood comes covering the whole earth, only eight people are saved. Thus do we learn of judgment and grace. Now the line narrows to Noah and his family. After the flood, the three sons of Noah spread out and began to multiply. Generations come and go. Eventually, they build a tower to express their enormous arrogance. God sends the confusion of languages at the Tower of Bethel. Uh, people scatter across the face of the earth. And that brings us to act number three. God initiates redemption. Something hugely important happens in Genesis 12. God calls Abraham. He's a prosperous, middle-aged, pagan businessman in Ur of the Chaldeans. God calls. He responds and becomes the outstanding example of faith in the Bible. We can divide the whole Old Testament this way. Genesis 1 through 12, God creates the human race. Genesis 12 through Malachi 4, God creates the Hebrew race. Abraham and Sarah have a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has many sons, the most important being Joseph. Joseph ends up serving Pharaoh in Egypt. His family follows him there. They number 70 people. God blesses them until the day comes when a Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. For 400 years, the people suffered in bondage until God raised up a deliverer named Moses. He goes before Pharaoh, says, let my people go. When Pharaoh says no, God sends 10 plagues. The last one was the death of the firstborn. So Moses leads the Jews out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into the desert. At Mount Sinai, God gives the law, stating the Ten Commandments. You can read all about this in Exodus 20. At Kadesh Barnea, they sent out 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan. It was a land filled with milk and honey. But because there were giants in the land, Ten of the spies said, no, we can't go. Because the people did not believe God's promise, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Then God raised up another leader, Joshua. He leads the people to conquer the land of Canaan, the promised land. They divided the land for, uh, for the 12 tribes. Then comes the wild period of the judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. You know some of them, Gideon, Barak, uh, Jephthah, uh, Samson. The story of Ruth belongs in this period. God led his people by prophets, priests, and judges. But the people wanted a king, so God gave them Saul who uh, started well and ended badly. Then came David, whose victory over Goliath made the women sing his praises. But later, David's reign would be tarnished because of his sin with Bathsheba. Then came Solomon, the king who asked God for wisdom. He built a magnificent temple in Jerusalem, but he married foreign women who turned his heart away from God. That's 1 Kings chapter number 11. Meanwhile, the priests offer sacrifices day after day, year after year. A river of blood flowed from the altar. Uh, 
high priest came and went. After Solomon's death, the nation split into two parts. The northern ten tribes were led by a long string of evil kings. They were taken into captivity in 722 B.C. The southern uh, two tribes had a few good kings. They lasted until 586 B.C. when the Babylonians took them into captivity. The prophets brought God's message of warning and hope. Isaiah spoke of a suffering servant. Uh, Jeremiah wept for his people. Daniel explained the handwriting on the wall. The people of God language a language in exile for 70 long years. It was a hard, humiliating time for the Jews. Finally, God raised up two key men. The first was Jerusalem, who led a small group back to Jerusalem at the end of 70 years. In 445 B.C., Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. Sometime after that, Malachi from the, uh, the prophet gave his message from the Lord. The Old Testament closes with a sense of longing and expectation. Uh, many were bringing uh, maim and, and less than the best to sacrifice on God's altar during the days of Malachi. Uh, worship became a tarnished thing, and for 400 years after Malachi, God remained silent. The Old Testament does close with this sense of longing and expectation, though. Promises had been made. The prophets had spoken. The people were waiting. What would God do? And that brings us to act number four. God accomplishes redemption in a most unlikely way, in a most unlikely place. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, not just any baby, but the seed of a woman, the son of David, the one whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Shepherds glorified him. Angels announced him. The Magi brought him gifts. The angel told Joseph, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was baptized by John, tempted by the devil, misunderstood by the religious leaders, feared by some, hated by others, but the common people gladly, gladly received him. He was full of grace and truth. He was the fullness of God in bodily form. The Bible says he, ran around, he went around doing good, causes the blind to see, makes the deaf to hear, casts out demons, heals the sick, raises the dead. He invites the weary to come to him for rest. He teaches God's law, embodies God's love, and fulfills God's promises. He preaches to the masses. He speaks in parables. He is a friend of sinners everywhere. Repeatedly, he tells the 12 that he will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men who will beat him and then crucify him. He tells them that after three days, he will rise from the dead. They do not understand. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays in agony. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. The disciples abandon him. Caiaphas accuses him. Herod mocks him. The soldiers beat him. 
Pilate condemns him to death. He is crucified between two criminals. He cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And it is finished. And finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last breath. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. One day passed, he was dead. Two days passed, he was dead. But on the third day up from the grave, he arose. Two women went to the tomb to anoint his dead body. They found the stone rolled away and the tomb empty. An angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen. The word began to spread. He's alive. Over 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times. His message is always, and it is still today. God is glorified. I am alive. Redemption is accomplished. Go and tell everyone. And then he ascended into heaven. I'm going to tell the rest of the Bible in our next session together. But friend, let me tell you, God is glorified. Jesus is alive. He is the Savior of the world.